So I was kind of wondering, like, what can I do with myself while I'm here to make the best of it? And that looked like leaving little notes for myself and then also for other people. So I would put them in the women's bathroom or in magazines in the lobby, just post-it notes or pieces of paper that said something nice on it that I felt like I needed to hear that maybe someone else did. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Let's Give a Damn podcast, where we believe the most fulfilled life you could live is one full of giving dams. My name is Nick Lapara, your host and your friend. I'm so pumped you're here. Did you know that we've recorded over 60 episodes of this podcast already? That's insane. It seems like forever ago that we launched this podcast, and at the same time, it seems like we just started yesterday. And there's so much more to come. I love doing this. I hope you're loving it too. My guest today is Ashley Real. She's my friend, my neighbor. Well, we live in the same city, uh, so we're not really neighbors' neighbors, but we're neighbors in the same city, and I see her husband all the time. Ashley Real, my friend, my neighbor, and the founder of Love Everywhere. Love Everywhere is making kindness great again. Time out. Make kindness great again is a much better slogan than make America great again. A conversation for another day, of course. Time in. Love Everywhere is making kindness great again with a community of encouragers leaving notes of love hidden in plain sight for strangers to find. Ashley and the Love Everywhere ambassadors have left thousands of encouraging notes all over the world, and you'll hear much more about that in our conversation. Ashley is an amazing human being. She's bursting with kindness and love, and I wish you all could meet her. Hope you do get a chance to do that someday. In our conversation, we talk about faith, we talk about family, we talk about kindness, we talk about the ups and downs, and we obviously talk about giving a damn. Here's my conversation with Ashley Real. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Uh, thank you for being here. I'm so excited. Good, good. I've been we've been wanting to do this for a while, and we live in the same city, and we just haven't we just haven't done it. So here we are. Here we are. Um, I know you better than everyone else that's listening, or most everyone else that's listening. Uh, so why don't you give us some context for who you are? Tell us before we get to what you're doing and why you're doing it, and all of that stuff. We have a lot to learn from you. Who are you? Like, give us some context to people, places, and things that formed you, that shaped you, where you came from, who you came from, because all of those things really shaped you for good or for bad, who you are today, right? So, um, yeah, give us some context, as much or as little as you want to. Okay. Um, that's like a loaded question. It is. That's but like, tell us, like, yeah, whatever comes okay. to mind, just like spew it, as long as it's not going to get you in trouble with family <laughs> later oh, no. or whatever. I was born in Ohio. And kind of lived there my whole life. My family's like kind of small town mindset. My parents um, divorced when I was 12. It was an ugly divorce. Mm. My dad was trying to break into the house at one point when I was home alone and I had to call the police on him. Oh my. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was pretty ugly. My parents put each other in jail. <laughs> I, I watched them put each other in jail at 12 years old because... Um, Someone grabbed keys from another person and they called, it was like a domestic dispute and my mom went to jail first and then um, out of spite, she put my dad in jail. She just was waiting on 
him to just touch her at all. And then she called the police on him. And wow. um, that was at 12. Um, it was brutal. <laughs> I think my, my idea of what love looked like at that time was kind of confused because these two Definitely. people that I thought were supposed to love each other were putting each other in jail and scaring the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm 12. Um, so that like, that I think is like one of the most defining moments in who I am now, because I started at that point to be like, Oh, what is real love? Because this doesn't look like real love. Like it looks like hate and it looks like stupidity. Yep. <laughs> um, and irresponsibility and all of that. So like, I just really started to be like, what, what does it mean to really love someone? Mm. And, um, my parents divorced, thank God, cause we would have just been miserable yeah, the rest of our horrible. lives. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, so in high school, I, w- I just, I wanted to make sure that everyone felt like they had a friend. And so I would just, I didn't have like one specific group of people that I hung out with, but I would just talk to everyone in my class, um, in the hallway, just say hi to people and try to, you know, be friendly and, um, college, same thing, but I was super introverted. So it was like, I kind of just would say hi and then be quiet, but like also be aware that like, people felt like I did. Mm. And so how could I like befriend the other introvert in the room? And then like, we would just kind of stick together. Um, but all of this kind of led to me just kind of looking at the world, like, Oh, people are lonely and people are hurting and there's chaos in everyone's life in some shape or form. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really know what to do with that at the time. It was one of those things that I just kind of had in the back of my head, but I didn't know what to do with because I was still a kid. Yeah. When did you meet my friend, your husband, <laughs> and your friend, uh, Andy, during all of this? Um, we met when I I was like just about to graduate college. Okay. So I was an intern at a radio station, and he was the sound engineer. Oh, okay. I didn't and, know that. <laughs> yeah, and my boss introduced us. He said... Um, you both like Switchfoot, so you'll probably get along. That's amazing. It was a secular station, and so it was kind of like a slam for him to say we liked Switchfoot, but I owe John Foreman my my life now. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so was this a Christian radio station? No, it was no, secular. It was, it was yeah. like not Christian. But it was at the time but, when Switchfoot yeah, was like, yeah, Switchfoot crossing was, over. <laughs> yeah. They didn't. They were having their own existential yeah. crisis. No, I think they were very sure of what they wanted to do. They were, yeah. thought they were having their existential crisis. Um, thank you, John Foreman. Thank yeah. you for that. Um, and so was it Ohio until... It was Ohio until, until New York. Okay, right. You guys did a little bit in New York. Yeah. So I graduated and I was super people pleaser because of my crazy upbringing. I yeah. just wanted yeah, people yeah. to feel good, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I graduated college. I had a job interview through the... Through the um, the radio station that I met Andy at and it was in New York city. It was for a magazine, mm. music magazine, super hipster. I did not fit in there <laughs> at all. Um, but it was a, it was a job. It was one of my first job offers. And my mom, um, took me out to New York to do the interview and they called me like 
maybe 45 minutes after I left and made an offer. And she just kind of, I think out of fear was just like, you're not going to get any other offers. Just take this one and move to New York. And, um, oddly enough, Andy was in town in, in New York city as well for his, his band that he used to be in. They had a show. And so he stayed and he came to meet us in New York and we were just going to have pizza or whatever and goof around. And my mom like convinced him to move in with me to New York. Like he still was thinking about it when we left visiting that day, but my mom was just kind of like, well, she's not going to be able to afford to live here by herself. And I don't really want her to just move in with any random, this was before Craigslist was like huge, like dating myself now, but like MySpace (laughs) was the only social media and like, yeah. So it was a long time ago. MySpace days. MySpace days. Um, yeah, so she like we had been dating for three months, and she was like, "You guys need to just move to New York together." And I'm like, "Okay, I guess that's fine." And you were in New York for how long? We were in New York for a year. A year. Um, we probably would have stayed a lot longer, and I think Andy, he would have loved that. He he left reluctantly, but I had two um, family members that were terminally ill with cancer, and it just I was kind of having like panic attack moments working in New York and thinking about getting these phone calls where somebody's yeah, dead yeah. and I didn't get to say goodbye or, you know, be there. Yeah. So we just decided to move back to be with family and it worked out great cause I, I had a great job there and, um, I got to spend some good quality time with both family members before they passed away. But yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And I guess, when we moved back to Ohio is when I started doing my project. Yep. So tell us about your project. <laughs> I'm so excited about your project. We've briefly shared it on the show before when we did a live podcast last year with Barry yeah, Ward. Yeah. So people got like a five minute kind of, um, yeah, tell us about it. I love it. I'm so excited to hear. I don't know if I've heard the full, I mean, I've read it and I, you shared it a little bit there, but like give us the full scope of what, how it came about. Yeah, your story, I'd never heard that part, like the beginning part of your story, that very much shaped kind of what you wanted to do, not specifically this project or a specific job necessarily, but it shaped who you are and the kinds of things you wanted to do for people, right? Because you saw a very clear picture of what you didn't want to be like and the kind of love you didn't want to have for other people, for a mate, whatever. Like that was a terrible traumatic thing to go through. And a lot of people, maybe you had these moments, but a lot of people don't win after that. Like they let it get to them. They, yeah, it really beats them down and it affects their, they don't turn out like you, in other words. Like they don't turn out using it to their advantage, right? Um, So many friends of mine that had traumatic experience, and I'm not saying they're wrong for that. Those are horrible things that you saw and experienced, but they don't ever fully make it out of that. They, they They let it from that moment on dictate how they responded, the kinds of things they did. And it seems like, you even, you talked about in high school and in college, things you try to do for other people, even as an introvert, you used it to your advantage, right? Is that, is that a proper reading of it or am I missing I, something? I mean, it's hard to say on this side of it. Cause I like, I'm trying, like I'm trying to make sense of it still. Sure. Okay. Um, but you know, yeah, sure. Like <laughs> I, I think maybe it's like a blessing and a curse to be a people pleaser because I, at one side, you want everyone to feel good. And then the other side, like, you don't always do the things that you want to do or speak up for yourself. 
Yeah. Um, and so that's the, like the thing that I was doing, I think more than like Got being it. noble, it was Got it. like, I want people to feel warm and fuzzy because I want to be liked and I want to Got be it. accepted. And yeah, I just threw myself under the bus there. <laughs> no, I don't, no, no, I don't, I don't think you did. I think that's the tendency that we all have. Do you still feel like that's the case? Or, um, or have you grown? It seems like you've grown. I've into... grown. Yeah, I've, I've definitely grown. There are times that I still catch myself. It's hard to, yeah. to get out of that conditioning of that you've you've been doing your whole life. But um, for the most part, I feel like I do a better job of, you know, honesty is always my number one. So like yeah. if I'm not being honest with myself, then I'm not, I'm not worth much because yeah. you can't function if you're not happy and you're lying to yourself so yeah absolutely um but yeah i'm just kind of no you didn't throw yourself under the bus (laughs) i think i think you i think you actually probably made other people that are listening feel okay that this is a journey and that you're not always there you are going to do things for people sometimes and then realize oh i did that for myself yeah and i think that's if you don't mature out of that at some point or at least to for those to become less and less and less that might be problematic, you know, but you're like so young and you're growing, you know what I'm saying? Like you're talking about a journey here. And I think that's the important thing is like, yeah, you might've started out wanting to please people, not even because making people feel good is not a bad thing. But if you're like making people feel good so that you look good in the end because of that, like let's grow out of that at some point. Sure. Let's less and less and less. So, um, okay. Tangent yes. over <laughs> love everywhere. Tell us about it. How did that start? So love everywhere. I mean, I'm a believer, so like, there's two pieces. There's a lot of levels to this story, but when, do you, when you say you're a believer, what do you mean? Because some people, sure. Um, I think that, or even a believer in who, who or what. I'm still working that out. Um, I grew up Christian, yep. and um, in a really charismatic church, and there was just you know, lots of praising Jesus and it was beautiful. And I thought that everyone did that until I was like 12 and I was inviting kids to church. Everything happened when I was 12. Mm, That (laughs) Um, was a big year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I invited friends to church and they'd come and they'd see like people raising their hands and like verbally, like loudly praising the Lord or speaking in tongues or that sort of thing. And, um, they got super freaked out. And I was like, oh, so now I need to pray that like church feels more normal to other people before they come because if there's a shouting service, everyone's going to think that we're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like I think everyone kind of feels like they live in a bubble until they travel or uh, move away from totally. home, all of that. So I think obviously going to college and... Uh, moving to New York city, that was all very impactful in like opening up my view of the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, also just like lots of just really dis like lots of dysfunction in my family just kind of led me to questioning what do I really believe? Because if these people say that they love Jesus and they're putting each other in jail or just being overall like, really shitty manipulative people. Yeah. Is that really true? Like, is Jesus true? If they yeah. say like, so yeah, I default to Jesus cause that's what I was raised in. And I think, um, I'll just like adopt whatever Richard Rohr says is like, he was raised in America. And so he, he's Christian Catholic, you know, like that's what he was raised with. But if he were in, 
India, he would be, you know, Buddhist, Hindu, whatever. Like, you know, it'd just be something else because that would be his foundation. So my foundation is Christianity. And um, I, I don't think I'll ever stray from that. Like my, yeah. we pray to Jesus at home. Yeah. My kids know Jesus and yeah. we talk about Jesus. But um, the church view of Jesus isn't my view of Jesus. It's a rough day that we're in. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. the Jesus you're talking about, the Jesus I follow personally, he said, they'll know you're my followers, they, everyone else, by your love for one another. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And then in, I think it's Luke 6, says out of the, what's in your heart, the good things, you know, bring good things out of your mouth. If, if you have good inside of you, good will come out of your mouth. If mm-hmm. you have bad things, bad will come out of your mouth. And then you see all these things happening. Right? And so you have all these things where it's very easy to look at that and say, do we believe the same thing? Because how can we? Right. How can we follow the same Jesus that said, they'll know you're my followers by your love for one another and your care for the poor and your care for the orphan and the widow and to and the environment and all these things. It's all in there. Right. It's all in there. And then you see these people that don't give a shit about it, mm-hmm. about those things. They care about a flag. They care about you know, patriotism. They care about preserving um, our Southern culture. They care about all these things. You're like, that, but that's just not it, right? And I don't want to, we have people every, <laughs> you know, of all stripes listening to this podcast. I love you, but, but it's hard. I understand what you're saying. I yeah. understand what you're saying because we have, we're part of a church community and we, we do things with our family. We have all these things, but it's so hard to reconcile that with what's happening right now. Totally. You're like, how can we be following the same person? Right. It's hard. Yeah. Okay. That was five minute explanation. (laughs) What do you mean when you're a believer? So sorry, keep going. So Um, yeah, many layers. Yeah. So there's lots of layers. It, I think it really started when I was at a church service. Um, there was this place in Ohio. It was a, it was a very charismatic church and they had this awesome service where they would just play loud music and people would be banging drums and waving flags. And it just felt like this huge party. Um, and at the end of it, they'd, give you a cassette tape and they would record prophetic words on it. And, um, it was just, it was always very interesting to me because that's my, my background. Like I came from this, so it felt comfortable to me. I wasn't freaked out or anything. Um, Andy (laughs) did not come from that. He came from, um, I, I think he was Lutheran before, we yeah, a lot married. more traditional, a lot more Very traditional, reserved. yes. Uh, maybe Methodist. Anyway, the same thing, though, like very, like, yeah. you know. No flags. No, no, fla- shouting, no flags. No, no cassettes. No raising your hands. Yeah. Like, all of that was very um, new to him. But he was very open-minded. And so we went, and um, they gave me this recording. And so these three sweet people were praying for a group of us, they kind of divide you into rooms and then you go with your cassette tape and they record it. Um, and this woman who didn't know me at all just said, like, I feel like the Lord has gifted you in encouraging people. You think you're just having conversations, but people really do leave feeling uplifted and heard and seen and, and just they leave feeling better. And that's something you've been gifted in. And so I kind of was like, oh, do I really do that? Like, is that something that I have? Like, is that true for me? Um, and I just kind of took it home and journaled about it. I listened to the the recording of it a couple of times and just was praying, asking 
God, like what, what is this? Like, why did you tell me this in this Mm. meeting? Yeah. He just, I feel like he kind of led me to, um, recognizing that it was true and finding a way to express it that felt right for me. Mm. And, um, at the time I was working in the fashion industry, um, I was in a corporate job. I was designing. It sounded very glamorous. I got to travel a lot, but most of the time I was miserable mm. because I was kind of, you know, still a new, a new hire, um, kind of lower on the totem pole. And all of the work that I did got credited to my boss's boss, like not even my immediate boss, but like her boss. So you definitely weren't getting... No, I was barely invited to the meetings half the time. And when I was, I didn't want to be there because we were talking for three hours about the color of the inseam thread going down your jeans. Like we were comparing two oranges for three hours and I'm sitting in these meetings like, what am I doing with my life? Not that there's anything wrong with sitting in three hour meetings, but I just felt like there was no purpose in what I was doing. I was working for a company that I wasn't even sure all the people working in our factories were being treated fairly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you could go there and they would be presentable, but like what happens when you leave yep. that sort of thing. Um, and then just, you know, the, it was just a very toxic environment. I found that at the time the devil wears Prada movie had just come out and, um, I had, didn't read the book because I don't, I don't know. I didn't read it, um, but I did watch the movie. There you go. <laughs> and um, it was true. It was true for my life. That whole like boss being kind of terrible. Like our boss threw a phone at a girl, like oh a desk God. phone, like a big desk phone. It didn't hit her, but he like threw it in her vicinity. Um, he just like would cuss all the time about deliveries being late from Pakistan. Like we can't get these deliveries in time. And like, it was our fault, but we were just the designers. And so he just like overreacted a lot and treated us really poorly. And I just felt like I wasn't the only one at that building that felt that way. And so having just received this kind of like, Hey, you're gifted in encouragement and being paired with this, like, I hate my life because I'm working at this terrible place that I can't quit because the money was like really good at the time and it just wasn't feasible to quit that job. Um, So I was kind of wondering like, what can I do with myself while I'm here to make the best of it? And that looked like leaving little notes for myself and then also for other people. So I would Mm. put them in the women's bathroom or in magazines in the lobby, just post-it notes or pieces of paper that said, something nice on it that I felt like I needed to hear that maybe someone else did. And so that's kind of how it started. And slowly I just invited my girls Bible study group in and we would go out on the weekends and sprinkle kindness through these little cards all over Columbus, Ohio. And yeah. And what year is this that you're talking about? You're at the shitty job. Yeah. You decide um, to start doing something about it. What, what, I'd say oh eight, oh nine. Okay. Yeah, oh eight, oh nine. Um, and we in two thousand nine is when like we got a little bit more intentional about it. We did um, these like pre-designed postcards that had phrases like "You are on purpose," "You are loved," um, "Perfect is you being exactly who you are." 
stop trying to be perfect. Yeah. It's not yeah. like you just are perfect. Yeah. Um, so those little phrases we would like, I just designed these really like if you go back on the Instagram, I've probably shared them a couple of times, but they weren't terrible, but they just weren't like a, per, they weren't as personal as like a handwritten note was. And so, um, people would mistake them for greeting cards misplaced at the grocery store. Go put them, they'd go put them yeah. back or something. <laughs> yeah. But they would email us and say like, I thought this was a, I thought this uh, was okay. a, a greeting card. But, um, when I got to the greeting card section, I actually like realized that it wasn't. And that was for me. And then it impacted me. And so cool. Yeah. And so that was just, you know, we put out like a thousand of those over the course of a few years, just like the four of us on weekends. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then everyone started having babies, getting married. We moved here to Nashville when my daughter was 12 weeks old. And so I kind of put everything on hold because I was like, I don't think I can keep a human being alive and feed my dog and clean and live a, a life and brush my teeth and all of that. Like, yeah, first baby is no joke. No, anymore. it's not. Yeah, it's I, a life upheaval. It totally is. I kind of just um, started telling everyone I was a mom blob. Like... <laughs> Cause I just felt like that's all I can do and I can't, I can't like breathe even. Yeah. So we moved here and I didn't know anyone, but Andy had a lot of connections here. And so he like introduced me to his friends, wives, and that was a good start, but it's hard to have real conversation when you have a child that needs something every two seconds. And so I, felt again, very lonely and, um, just kind of isolated and didn't really know where my place was. And he, um, he kind of really, I mean, I should give him full credit for love everywhere. I'll just publicly do that because I think it'll make him smile. Um, but he, we'll make sure we'll just <laughs> yeah. cut this clip out and just send it to him, put yeah. it on his phone. He can just replay it all the time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, but he really helped me to, get back to doing this and being intentional about it. He said, Hey, remember that thing you used to do when we lived in Ohio and it made you feel good. Like, why don't you start an Instagram? Instagram was kind of newer. And, um, he was like, you could just like post pictures of the cards that you leave around town mm. and, and just give yourself some kind of creative outlet. Cause I was a stay at home mom and I just didn't know anyone. And I was feeling like, a little lack of purpose, although I was caring for a human being. You were doing a lot, yeah. but I but I understand. Yeah. My wife has gone through that several times. It's, it's yeah. something that I think all moms deal with. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's huge purpose in raising a child. So much. Um, and it's beautiful and wonderful, but you do lose yourself a lot at the beginning. And so that kind of helped me come back to finding the thing that I loved and, and being able to speak to my loneliness again and share it. And slowly, we just kind of built this really beautiful community online. And I'm pinching myself that I get to facilitate all of this so kindness. Cool. It's crazy. As you know, friends, for the last few weeks and for the next few weeks, my friends at Scout Books are sponsoring this podcast. I'm super pumped to share more about their incredible company and the work they're doing this week. Today, you'll get to hear a little bit from Chloe Miller, the Engagement and Partnerships Coordinator at Scout Books. Chloe, take it away. 
Hi, I'm Chloe, the Partnerships and Engagement Coordinator at Scoutbooks. We launched the Scoutbooks Equity Alliance in November 2016 as an initiative to help support causes and organizations that are important to the team, using our skills along with paper, ink, and magic. A project is chosen quarterly, and Scoutbooks sponsors the materials and labor costs to produce it. Participating in the Equity Alliance is voluntary, and we donate our time outside of work to make these projects happen. For our first project, we created a tool that made civic engagement information accessible. We collaborated with rad local illustrators and elected officials to create We the People Are Powerful, an illustrated guide to local and national government structure, organ politicians, voting schedules, and more. Having the Equity Alliance as part of our company culture reminds me that we are ultimately working to make the world a more equitable and inclusive place, one book at a time. Thanks so much, Chloe. Remember, you can get 15% off your order at scoutbooks.com by using the code in all caps, give a damn. That's give a damn in all caps at checkout. More next week, but for now, back to the show. Let's continue my conversation with Ashley Real. So just to heap a little bit more on Andy, because he'll love this. Oh, no. <laughs> he just, I just want to tell you this, because you probably, I don't, I've never told you this. He, we've talked about you and your project many times during our many hangouts. And he has like consistently been like super encouraging about it. Like he always talks the world of the project and you mm-hmm. and like always talking about finding ways to support you more or like, you know, even talking through like you guys are both running businesses, right? And trying to grow them. And he's, he's always saying, you know, but I want her to keep doing it and I want to keep encouraging Aww. her and things like that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> That's good, make good me job. Cry. <laughs> no, he just, he always has like hundred percent, you know, like sometimes you say stuff, like people say stuff behind, you know, yeah. not bad, just yeah. like, Oh, this never, never about this. So, Aww. you know, be encouraged that you're doing good work and that your, your man believes in you. Um, <laughs> So what, where is it today? What's kind of the scope of what's going on? It's it, there's some real exciting things happen. So give us some numbers. Give us some. Sure. Uh, what's going uh, on? Well, yesterday I numbered card 20,000. So our community Insane. has put out over 20,000 cards as of this week. Um, I'm, I'm just beside myself about that because you think, oh, this tiny little idea that started at a crappy job and now potentially over 20,000 hearts touched by this kindness. It's amazing. And you've hand numbered <laughs> each one. Is that I, I hand stamp and number all of the cards, which is insane. And I probably should stop doing that. I Do you have carpal tunnel yet? Like, I are got you- a cyst on my wrist. Really? It's, it miraculously disappeared when I started boxing. So if you have a cyst and you need to get rid of it, I guess go boxing. Um, <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so I, I need to find another way to do this because yeah. as we continue to grow, um, I can't keep up. I think your community <laughs> will forgive you for not hand stamping and hand numbering. So yeah. if you haven't seen these people go online, you'll see it. Like there's a stamp, then there's a number, like literally 15,148, 15,149, now 20,000. That's insane. That's yeah. really cool. And please figure out a different way yeah. so that your hands are still around, <laughs> yeah. you know, 50 years from now. That's so cool. And so where do you have the stats for how many states and countries people have found these in and read uh, these in and been encouraged in? I think it grow it, it's growing so much. We have over 50 ambassadors all over the world. So 
Um, and they travel. So it's hard to say exactly where they're all going at this moment. But I can say that we've had cards at the Eiffel Tower, at the Taj Mahal, um, at this beautiful cliffside in Italy. Like that one was a really popular card that visitors of the cliffside just kept reposting. Um, it was really cool to see how this one particular note was touching multiple lives. That's awesome. From various parts of the world who had all converged on this one beautiful cliffside. It was just really magical and whimsical, but awesome. It's all about perspective, right? Because I think a lot of people, a lot of negative, terrible people, or just whatever, they might look at it and say, what, all these years, right, of working toward this and only 20,000 cards, right? Look how many people under this, seven and a half, almost eight billion people in the world, 20,000 cards. What I love about this is that each card represents a person being encouraged, right? That's 20, like fill a room with 20,000 people. That's <laughs> a shit ton of people yeah. that have encountered a card that has a message for them on there. Some of them, it might not have touched them so much. It might have been like, oh, that's fun. That's cool. But you don't know how many lives have been saved how many relationships have been mended or just the beginning, right? That maybe that thing wasn't, but that, what they read on that card, the, even the brand itself or the actual message written on that card may have and likely has changed the trajectory of lives, like someone's entire life. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's very crazy. This I is, think, this I is mean, big work. It doesn't feel like big work to me. It feels like fun. Um, and... To quantify what impact it's actually having is actually really hard because of all the things yep. that you just said. What's exciting to me is that you can have this card on a piece of paper that someone can find and they can hold on to it for years and then decide to let it go somewhere else later on. And I don't even know about that. And these cards are going places that I've never even put my foot on the ground, which is also really cool. And the beauty of the community and how kind everyone is and how generous. I mean, the people that are a part of what we're doing are, they are what make it so amazing. Yeah. Like I'm just posting Instagram pictures and leaving cards in Nashville mostly, but like they, they find the most beautiful quotes or they're inspired to write their own original encouragement. And that's, that's the stuff that touches me just being able to share what they've done on Instagram then goes beyond even the reach of their, their hometown or their city because then more people see it and more people share it and more people are touched by it. It's just a really cool chain of events that yeah. comes yeah. from yep. one person writing one note. Yep. And that's what, what is exciting and interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I think you were alluding to the telephone thing where yeah. like, the message changes as it yes. goes down the line. But that will continue to transfer from person to person. And again, it might change how it lands on the next person. You don't know what, yeah, reading the note, it affects them in a way. You may have changed how they interacted with the next person they interacted with, right? Which changed their day, which changed their day. Right. I mean, the effect of this, even now, like it's got many years to go, right? But even now, you know, the 20,000 may have, who knows, may have turned into a million acts of kindness. Like you just don't know. That right? Would be, that would be awesome. Cause, right? Because if I see that note, that's going to change my day. I'm going to see another 50 people today, whether it's a homeless person or the cashier or someone I work with or my wife or my kids or whoever. And that note may have changed how I interact with every one of them. 
because maybe it was like shitty attitude before something happened to me, um, which is how my morning started out yesterday because of terrible, you know, oil change employees and all these things that happened at seven. Then I had two meetings right after that was encouraged by both of them. That changed the rest of my day, right? It wasn't your love everywhere note, but it was a different form of that. And so, yeah, the telephone thing's completely applicable here. Like who knows (laughs) what kind of a reach it's having now. Yeah. I think that's what's, uh, what inspires me to, to do this at all. Like everything else can be pushed aside. I mean, just knowing that one interaction can spark another and another and another is really interesting and exciting to me. So the, the left is yelling at the right. The right's yelling at the left. The left thinks they're right. The right thinks they're right. There's so much hatred, animosity. I'm right. You're wrong. You're terrible. You're evil. And we could start naming all the expletives I've seen just on social media toward each other in the yeah. last day. And it would yeah. be a long, long list, right? Is kindness the way we fix this? Like how do, in your opinion, you, you know, you might not be this wise sage yet, but you've, I mean, you've seen a lot implementing this project over the last few years, right? You've seen people react to these things. You've seen what it does to a person, how it changes them. Is kindness how we fix this? Like what's the answer in your opinion to, because we're not like, the left's not going to win, the right's not going to, it's just not, you know what I'm saying? Like I wish certain things would happen to fix what's good, but it's not going to be with one side or the other winning and claiming victory. That's never going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Yes. So how do we, <laughs> how do we fix it then? Cause we can't keep doing this. We are literally tearing each other apart. Yeah, we really are. I mean, I think kindness is definitely the most important currency in the world right now. I think it can change people's hearts. It can break down walls. Um, but I think, you know, coming to try to convince someone that you're right and they're wrong is never going to work. You just have, I think if you just always approach people with love, then you're going to get a lot farther because truth be told, we're all wrong. Like we're all wrong. We've all got blind spots. We're all wrong in some area of life and no one has all of the answers. So I think if we, if we can just kind of come at it with this more like humble heart and more open heart and really just see that we're just all people who want to be seen, heard, loved, valued, respected, cared for, those are the most important things. So yeah, I think kindness would be a great place to start. We all have the basic desires and needs in life. Literally from the alt-left to the alt-right and everybody in between, we all want safety, security, freedom, success. We want all these things. We're just seeing completely different ways of accomplishing those things, right? I love how you put that 60 seconds ago or whatever. Kindness is the currency that I think moves us forward. It really, really is. It's us getting off of social media. It's us sitting down with a cup of coffee or a meal or some beers or a cigar or whatever. And talking, maybe not even about the things that we differ on. How about let's talk about the things that we agree on, which when we find out if you, if you were, which you're not, and I'm glad for that in this conversation, but if you were, you know, some make America great again, hat wearing, you know, person from wherever, and we were sitting down right now, we could, the things we agree on, I think we could find more things to agree on than disagree on. Sure. 
every single day. But we don't want to do that. We don't want to take, you know, you want to know why? I think because it takes time and it takes intentionality. And most people at the end of the day would rather think they're right than actually be right and spend every night watching Netflix because that's easier. Mm -hmm. And finding people to sit down with, to have chats with, to really get to know and to find common ground with, that takes, it's hard, hard work. It's it's well worth it, mm-hmm. but it's hard, hard work. Um, and so I think, I think this project, I think what you're doing can help us get a little bit closer to that, right? Um, spreading these, I mean, words, I mean, right? We're both believe, like we, this, the Bible is an important book for us. And so you've got this Bible, you've got this book that says words can bring life and can bring, they can kill someone. They literally can kill someone. And so what you're advocating for with Love Everywhere is using this powerful thing that we have, words, written word, spoken word, to give life rather than death. Yes. Yes. Yes, All the way. (laughs) Let's begin to land this plane, Uh, but I have an important question for you. Let me paint a scenario real quickly. The scenario is that someday you are going to die. Hopefully it's many, 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 many years from now. I'm sure your family would appreciate that. And this project would appreciate that. But inevitably, you're going to die. And I've been asked to give you eulogy for some odd reason. <laughs> so the 20,000 people that have been affected by these notes at this point, and by that point, the millions more in your family and your friends, everybody's there packed into this huge room to honor, celebrate, and mourn your life. And I get up to give you eulogy. What do you hope that I would say on that day about your life and legacy? <laughs> I'd like you to say that I died at 120 years old. Perfect. (laughs) Um, And that I was warm and welcoming and kind and authentic and that I faced my mistakes head on and didn't run from them and that I loved my family and everyone that I met as much as I physically could. That's it. (laughs) It's a great legacy and a great life well lived. At 120. At 120. (laughs) You'll make it. Yeah. How old would that make you? How old are you? I don't know. I'm 30 something. 30 something. I'm 30 something too. So we will both be very old. Maybe you can give my eulogy if I go before you. Okay. (laughs) Um, Before we end this conversation, what do you want people to go look for? Are you working on anything exciting? Like what can people expect in the future? What do you want them to go follow? What do you want them to go do? Well, I want them to find a piece of paper right now and write something nice for someone else and put it out in the world. doesn't even have to be on one of our cards. I just want to know that kindness is being put out. So think of something nice to say and then write it down and go hide it in a coffee shop or leave it in your office bathroom like I used to Um, do that do something nice for someone by leaving a note and um, if you want to follow more about what we're doing we're on Instagram that's where our party is it's just at share love everywhere Um, we do sell products that supports the mission of giving kindness away for free Um, every sale comes with a free pack of cards and Mm. um, that is where my heart is, but I do have 
products available. <laughs> so people can buy, they can buy pins, they can buy shirts, they can buy yes. totes. All and, with like uplifting, hopeful phrases yeah, on them. They're great. What are some of your favorites? Give us your like top two. Well, um, our most popular is kindness is key, which I fully believe. Yep. Um, we have a new shirt coming out in the next couple of weeks and it says love can't hate on it, mm. which I'm really excited about that message. Um, I think everyone needs to see that message because if you truly love someone, you can't hate them. <laughs> so I will be getting that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and then people can buy the cards separate. They can buy packs of them as well. They even can, though- you can buy cards. I, I really try to discourage people from doing that because I'd rather you walk away with something tangible that you can yeah. have and hold um, to go along with it. But some people really just want cards. They just want to write so encouraging notes. Yeah. That's like probably one of our bigger sellers is just playing cards, which baffles me, but it's the mission and it's what I'm passionate about. It baffles about. your hand too. Yeah, You're like, okay, stop ordering them. I'm like, no. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, keep ordering them. I'm going to yeah. find a printer. But um, <laughs> I think it's really sweet to see that people really just believe in it enough that they'll pay for cards and and then they'll go out and and distribute love, which is so fantastic. But yeah, as far as like new things coming up, um, we've got some like handmade market events this summer. Um, I'm trying to just interact with people face to face more. Yeah. Um, I love our Instagram, our community there and, um, all of the social media, but there's just something really sweet about talking to people face to face. Yeah. And, um, last year I made a dad cry. <laughs> so I feel like my life purpose has been realized already just because I was, I was talking to him and saying like, Hey, I, like I'm really admiring what you've done for your family because he got a divorce and mm. he, his wife moved far away. And so he followed his kids here to Nashville and he was telling me his story and I'm just like oh my gosh you are such a good dad to drop everything and follow your kids and make sure that they know that you love them and he's bawling and I'm just like that is my life purpose right there like I just did it because make grown men cry no yeah. I'm just kidding to make but grown yeah, men cry to make them feel into, and to yeah. cry with them yeah. and um because I mean I didn't have that kind of a dad I had a dad that moved as far away from us as he possibly could yeah. once they got divorced yeah. so to me finding that man was really important um, so that's the kind of stuff that I want to be doing more of. Um, I want to be just face to face with people and encouraging them face to face. So yeah. no act of kindness, no matter how small is ever wasted. Aesop said that <laughs> you believe that I believe that. So keep up the good work. I really admire what you're doing and I'm excited for everybody to listen and for them to go follow you and for them to buy stuff from you so that you can keep doing it for a long time to come. Yay. Thanks so much for doing this with me. This was oh super my gosh, fun. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so excited. Dear friends, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Ashley. Head on over to nicklapara.com slash let's give a damn. nicklapara.com slash let's give a damn to check out show notes for this podcast. You'll find more information about Ashley, links to all the things she's doing, etc. at nicklapara.com slash let's give a damn. Also, hit me up on social media. I'm Nick Lapara everywhere, and we're Let's Give a Damn everywhere. I would honestly and truthfully love to hear from you. I do every so often from people on Twitter, Facebook, DMs, Instagram, email, texts. But I want to hear more. I want to know what you love. I want to know what you hate, what you want more of, what you want less of. We can talk about whatever. 
And if you're around me, wherever I am, I'd love to get coffee, beer, whatever with you as well. Let's just chat. So hit me up on social media. Make sure to check out scoutbooks.com. You can find the discount code and more information about what they're doing in the show notes as well. This show is edited and produced by my friend and wizard of audio. That's right, Chad. You're a wizard of audio. Chad Snavely. I can't wait to spend more time with you next week. Love y'all. Bye for now.